Hello, guys. Welcome to this episode of Fit Friends Conversations. And I have a new friend on here with me today. I have Rachel Mitchell on here with me today. She is the host of Living on Mission podcast. So I'll definitely leave all of her information down below. But I was on Rachel's show talking about, you know, PMS and productivity, cycle syncing and productivity. And we seriously could talk and talk and talk and talk. And I was like, Rachel, you've got to come on to one of my Fit Friends Conversations episodes where we can really just have this lighthearted, fun conversation of two ladies that love health and fitness and taking care of our bodies. And, you know, we are really going to go into a lot of our faith and what our, what we believe as Christian women and giving you kind of insight on that while also having the conversation of like, why is it so hard and heavy on women's hearts to work out to change the way our body looks? And I know that's been on my mind and in my heart lately, because with my story of being postpartum with my second and being like, my body looks so different pre-kids and wanting to work out harder, try different styles of workout to get my body to change. I finally just laid it down and surrendered to the Lord of like, this is how you created my body. And this is what it is right now. And just because I had more apparent abdominal muscles, pre-kids doesn't make my body less worthy as his creation, right? And so we'll get into kind of all of that. This is going to be a juicy episode. So I'm going to let Rachel introduce herself and start off with sharing her story because you guys know like a lot of my story. So hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I have found the coolest friend in you and I'm just so thankful that God connected us through another random podcast. Isn't that neat how he works? Um, I am Rachel Mitchell. I am a wife to Matt. We've been married 17 years this year. So that makes me a little older. I will be 41 soon, quite honestly. Um, and I have two wonderful children, Henry and Milo. They are 10 and 12. I have to think about that. But I am just a regular old gal from Mississippi who just, I, you know, I found Joelle because of her focus on hormones, because hormones are a huge part of my health and fitness story. They're a huge part of my faith story, quite honestly, which I think is really cool how God can take such a big struggle and turn it into something good, just like he has for Joelle and for myself. And so about seven years ago, my health and story, health and fitness story began. Now taking it back farther, I was always a runner. I always was moving and active. Um, I struggled with an eating disorder briefly in college, but you know, I was never very confident in who I was in my body and any of it. I've never gained a whole lot of weight, you know, you know, obesity, things like that was not an issue, but I was pretty unhealthy from the inside out. You know, in my early twenties, I was on cholesterol medicine. Doctors just told me it was hereditary. Just take the pills. Um, you know, I asked for help with my PMDD and doctors said, just take birth control. So I didn't really ever get a lot of direction in those two main health struggles in my life. Now, what changed was that I was 33 had these two beautiful boys, a husband who loved me so well and who, you know, just continually pointed me to Christ. And 
I had these two little boys looking up at me like, mom, you know, love me, take care of me, play with me, you know, and they weren't saying this, but, you know, be an example for me. And I was done having kids. I was done nursing them. And I knew that it was time to either have to get back on cholesterol medicine or start controlling the hormones again with birth control. And I just didn't want to do that. Like I wanted to get healthy and I wanted to be fit and I wanted to do it the right way, but I will be 1000 person honest, what really triggered my desire to start getting healthier is I did start to gain weight. At 33, I'd never really had a problem with losing weight or maintaining a healthy weight, even during pregnancy, like, and nursing, I dropped weight quickly. Like I could eat so many calories while I was nursing and my body just burned them off. And so I had developed this habit of eating massive amounts of food and not healthy food. Like at night you would find me on the couch after my kids went to bed eating an entire, you know, those cookie packets where they're cut into like little squares. I could eat the whole thing and I did not gain weight. Like that's insane to me now, but after all that stopped, I started to, I started my metabolism slowed down, but I continued to eat that way. And so as you can imagine, my body started to put on weight. And so I wanted to address the health issues, but I wanted to get healthy the right way. And so I found a workout program I could do at home. I found a nutrition plan that was pretty simple that focused on clean foods. And I committed to 30 days of doing that. I was all by myself didn't have a coach like Joelle or myself. And I also, here's the kicker. I also picked up the book Made to Crave by Lisa Turkhurst. And that, God used that book. I still read that book to this day. Like that book was a game changer, not just in my physical fitness, but in my faith fitness, I guess you could say. And so I really started to address the the food behaviors, the turning to food for comfort, those types of things as making that an idol in my life um, instead of turning to God. And so while I started, because I want hey, well, I started because I wanted to be a good example for my kids, God really turned my health and fitness transformation into a journey where he's like, Rachel, you're mine. You're mine. I love you just as you are. You know, you, God doesn't care. So like my husband, God doesn't care if I weigh 200 pounds more than I do today, but he does care about what I think about my body. He does care about how I steward my body. He does care about, you know, am I using my body as an excuse or am I using it as an opportunity to worship him with what I do? And so seven years later, after the start of that, I'm now a health and fitness coach. Now I get to lead other women and doing the same things, um, you know, which led honestly to me starting my own podcast to share my faith, to, to encourage other women in their walks with the Lord. And it's just been a wild, wild ride with, with Jesus that I never, ever, ever saw coming. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really cool how you implement your workouts and how you're eating as worship. So why don't you talk about that? Like really, what does that, or do you remember how that shift felt from like, or if you ever had that feeling of like, I'm working out to drop the weight in the pounds and then it's shifting to this deeper passion and purpose and what that really looks like to use your workout time and how you're nourishing yourself as worship, not just like, 
I need to exercise to drop the pounds. I should choose a salad over chick two Chick-fil-A sandwiches, you know, like, does that kind of make sense? Oh, it totally does. And I couldn't tell you when exactly it happened. And, you know, you talk about phases a lot and I feel like there have been definite phases in my fitness. I feel like one, he had to get my attention with the weight gain that was happening. He had to kind of like tap into my vanity side to get me to take notice and to start something. Um, but then I started, okay, so what happened uh, within a year of starting eating clean, you know, working out consistently, cutting out like the aspartame, the Diet Cokes, the, the sugar, the fried foods and bad oils and stuff like that. Within three months, I noticed my PMDD was a lot better. I was still on birth control, but I noticed it had improved. And so I started to look at what I was eating. I started to do a little research and I started to notice that, hey, what I'm doing actually supports healthier hormones. Right. And I told, I remember telling my husband, like, what if I got off birth control? And cause I didn't like the way it made me feel and it affected our, you know, physical relationship. And he looked at me like, Hmm, like, are you sure? Cause he knew that the birth control was helping my PMDD a lot. And so I did, I got off of it and I waited anxiously for each cycle to come and they did get better. I didn't need the birth control within a year. My cholesterol was normal hadn't taken a pill, nothing like that. My cardiologist was like, what in the world did you do? You know? And so I started to connect the fact that God made this food to fuel our bodies, right? He was very intentional on those six days of creation to make us, he could have given, I can't remember who says this. There's an author who says he could have given us anything to fuel our bodies. He could have given us sunlight to fuel our bodies or dirt or air, whatever. And that'd be all we need, but he gave us food. He gave us food. That's so, yeah. 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 And and so what am I doing with that gift, right? And so I did start to see, and I've, I've been that girl. I've been that woman who made decisions based on other decisions. Like I overate last night. I just need to eat salads today, right? I've been that woman who looks at the scale every day and says, oh my gosh, the number went up. I need to restrict today, right? And I... I don't, to me, that's enslavement. That's enslavement to something that I'm not supposed to be enslaved to. So I really started to just make decisions based on what is good, what is right, what is life-giving. And that really shifted my mindset from performance-based fitness focus to worship-based fitness focus. No matter what I ate yesterday, I should still eat food today that fuels my body as an act of worship to God. Every choice we make, I believe, is an opportunity to worship him. And I am a huge Deuteronomy girl. Like, it's the most random book for me to share with you. But, you know, I remember in Lisa Turker's book, Made to Crave, she quoted the verse Deuteronomy 2, verse 3. And it says, you have circled this mountain long enough, now turn north. And that, I still quote that verse to myself. Like, when I revert back to volume eating or binge eating or whatever, turning to food just for entertainment or, you know, uh, comfort. I, I remember that verse. It sustains me. And then also Deuteronomy 8, chapter 8, the whole chapter. I love it because it's about God's people wandering through the wilderness and how he provides for them. And I often say that 
my health and fitness journey, um, even the way I think about myself, the way I look at myself, um, the decisions I was making for myself was kind of my wilderness. Like it was my wilderness where I was stuck. I was wandering and, and God gave me a way out. And Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 says, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your ancestors had not known so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And you could replace that with anything. Man does not live on wine alone. Man does not live on Oreos alone. You know, like all those things that we can turn to, to, to fill us up where only God can do that. And so, yeah, it was not an overnight journey. It was definitely day by day, year by year you know, learning things and regressing, but just every day waking up and choosing to continue to steward my body well. Yeah. Yeah. What came to mind for me was a time, and I probably just recently let go of it because it really came through when you were talking about, like, you've been circling around this for so long, it's time to take a new direction of when I was at a year and a half postpartum with my second. And I really realized I was creating, I had an idol of physical aesthetics, you know, like, I idolized not just how my body looked, but at that time, how other women's body looks. And that definitely made me reflect on a lot of sin that I had had. Because you know those quotes where it's like, nobody's paying attention to how you look in a bathing suit because they're paid attention to how they're in a bathing suit. In all honesty, 100% transparency, I look at how other people look in a bathing suit and how other people look in shorts or was, you know what I mean? And I was validating health off of how either ripped or refined, not even skinny. Like I knew skin, not skinny didn't necessarily mean healthy, but like that probably stems from, I stepped my foot in like the bodybuilding bikini competitor type of world where it was like literally in skimpiness and then getting critiqued when it's like, there is nothing wrong is like aesthetically with their body. And then I was just placing so much judgment and worthiness and idolizing how my body should look. And since it wasn't looking that way, shame. And so, yeah, like it's just a different whole mindset when you lay that down and be like, the way my body looks is very, very irrelevant to my worthiness and what I can give and how I can show up and how I can serve and what I'm meant to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not anti, I'm not anti-competition or beauty right. pageant. Like I think there's a place for that, but when you think about it, it's rooted in comparison you know, her, this body looks better than this body. So this person wins, which if you can deal with that and you can accept yourself for who you are, there's no problem with that. But I, that I struggled with that too. Honestly, Joelle, I mean, I had to unfollow a lot of people that I was following as I was dealing with this myself. And I even struggled with that. Like, God, why am I not strong enough to just accept who I am? Why am I not strong enough just to accept my body the way it is? Um, but I don't think that's 
that was his point. I think his point was, Rachel, I'm teaching you something. And until you learn this and until you trust me with this part of your life, you're going to have to give up, you know, all those accounts that you follow, all those accounts you've looked to for inspiration and just do it because it's the right thing to do. Just eat that, just put the Oreos down and the fried chicken down and eat like, you know, a life-giving breakfast and lunch because it's the right thing to do. And when you shift that way, instead of, like you said, being goal focused or performance focused, it's like, it's so freeing. It's, it brings joy to your workouts. It brings joy to your meal planning. It brings joy to grocery shopping. And instead of saying, I can't have those things, you know, you say, I get to have these things. And these foods are going to actually like make my mind clearer, make my relationships better, make my hormones better, you know? And so it's really, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. It's definitely a refinement process and refinement is never easy, but it's always, always amazing um, while you're in the process. And then when you come out on the other side, because I have this thing, I have this thing, it's from Magnolia Market, Joanna Gaines, and it says there's gold in a piece of your story. And I love that because I know that God has used the messy pieces of my story more than like the perfect pieces. And so that's just, that's what I think of when I think about that refinement process. Yeah. And I think of the ladies who are listening, you know, you guys are on here listening to two health and fitness coaches. Um, I think a common question that ladies would like to hear us kind of like talk about is what do we feel like, or what do you feel like women do that like secretly self-sabotages their journey with their body, with the Lord, with their, like, align, like their, their feeling of not putting so much like vanity and idolatry and, and worth into how their body looks. Yeah. I think I say, I have two answers to this one. The first one is that I think that I know I did this and I'm probably pretty sure you did, but I think as women, we go into health and fitness, we go into that next diet, or we go into that fitness program thinking, I am going to nail this. Like, I'm so excited. I'm motivated. Like I'm going to crush all the goals. And we set ourselves up for failure because we expect perfection of ourselves. And we are not perfect. We are human beings with real feelings, with real hormones, with real struggles. And, and we have to anticipate the struggle. I teach that to my clients all the time. You have to anticipate the struggle. What, what are you up against this week? What, what, um, social situations, what, um, what struggle, what's going to be hard at work this week that may make you tempted to go eat this or that, or, you know, like what, how are you in your relationship with your kids, your kids having struggles, you know, all those things can make us get off track and turn to something other rather than God. Right. So by expecting perfection, we, we set this goal for ourselves that we cannot meet, we cannot meet. And so when we don't meet it or we fall short, we just say, mm, I must not be able to do it. So I'm going to give up. Right. And so like, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is that I love to do this with my clients. I love, you know, we, we're so quick to pick our bodies apart. You know, I have thick ankles or I won't ever have abs or my breasts are too small or my butt is too big. You know, like we think about those things. I love to challenge my clients to do the opposite 
tell me one part of your body that you absolutely love and why. And, you know, it may be that my, it's my eyes. My husband loves the color of my eyes, or maybe my hands. Like God has given me these hands to love and to, to, to feed and to hold and to just, you know, take care of the people that I'm supposed to take care of. It may be my feet. Like, you know, my feet can go places. I can travel. I can meet new people. I can take a run if I want to. But I think that just shifting that focus when you find yourself in that mindset of I hate my body because instead say, no, no, no. I love my body because it does this for me or God allows me to do this with it or so-and-so loves this part of my body, right? Matt loves my feet. He, you know, just to me, they're just feet, but you know, he just thinks they're fantastic. And so, you know, like that is, that's something that I like to teach my clients to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that was something I actually hired a mind, like mindset coach a while ago, because I knew just the stories in my head, the verbal dialogue that was going on in my brain was so off, like so off to reality. And that was one of the things she said when I was just really struggling with like, why can't I get down to this number on the scale? Why am I having to buy this site? Like, why did my body change so much after kids? And she's like, okay, imagine yourself walking by a mirror what does your eyes gravitate towards? And I'm like, my stomach, because that is the spot where I'm like, that's where I like hold the most negativity about my body. And she's like, okay, well, where's the spot on spots on your body where you could speak like the most positivity? She's like, okay, now your job, your assignment is to walk by the mirror and have your eyes go directly to that positive spot. Like, for me, it was the booty. Like, I was like, okay, I gained some weight, but the booty's looking rounder and lifted. Like, thank you for all the squats within our programs and all the leg days. Like, I love it. And so it was so crazy, though, how, what, like, walking by a mirror, it was like my eyes would go to the negative spot, and I had to rewire it to be like, nope, look there. Nope, look there. And, you know, when I had... I recently cut my hair, but I remember right away postpartum, I had this like, like your, like your hair, long blonde hair. And I remember like getting, I felt so good and confident with it. Don't ever chop your hair. Like it's one of those things where I was like, what was I thinking? It's cute. It kind of fun, short and sassy, but now I'm growing it back out. But I was, remember postpartum, I was like, your hair just looks so good. Like if you could just always focus on the positive and how it does then stem into rippling into like silencing, rewiring, whatever it is to not letting the negativity about something you want to change weigh so heavily on your mindset, right? Yeah. Have you read Craig Rochelle's Winning the War in Your Mind book? No, but I'm going to write it down. So winning the war on your winning the winning the war in your mind. And he's a pastor, Craig Groeschel, but it's very, um, it's very psychological as well as faith-based, but he talks about in that book, how we create these ruts in our brain. I'm sure we've all learned this somewhere that the more you think a thought, the more it becomes entrenched in your brain and it's harder not to think it. And he teaches that 
to get rid of that, you have to dig trenches, which obviously digging a trench is a lot harder than making a rut just by doing something over and over. But you replace those ruts with these new trenches, new ways of thinking. So instead of I hate my butt, my belly, like I love my shoulders because no matter how much weight I gain or lose, they always look strong. They always look the same, you know? And so the end, they allow me to, they have allowed me, my kids are too big now, but to pick my children up and carry groceries and to, you know, whatever, do those, do those things. I love to work around the house and, you know, they allow me to do that and be strong in that way. And so, yeah, that is a really good book, but just that simple concept. Okay. Here's this rut. I need to quit thinking it. How am I going to the only way to, to change it is to think a new thought and replace it with a new thought. So that's a really good activity. When you find yourself in this negative mindset, you, you have to stop yourself and go the opposite direction. Again, it's circling that mountain. Stop circling that mountain, turn north, right? Get out of that rut you've created and, and go a different way. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So, so, so good. And one other thing on my mind and I was going to, Oh, what? So I love following you now and like listening to your podcast episodes because yeah, your kids are older than mine. I feel like you're just one season up from me in life. And so I, I love soaking in the, the wisdom, the realness. So what, and you started this journey of your personal healthy lifestyle when your kids were a little bit younger, obviously you've been doing this for a long time too, but what are some of like your mom wisdom, or even if like whatever comes to you insightful hacks for healthy living as a family, like mom and in, in the real world, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know people watch me and they see my kids eating a lot of the food that I eat. Honestly, let me say just disclaimer, my kids, love the junk food. Like if I keep it in the house, they will eat it. They want it. When they go to their grandparents, they eat the junk and you know, but I really feel this obligation, this responsibility to teach them, Hey, this is what this food does to your body. This is what this food does to your body. You may not struggle with this right now, but someday, you know, food is going to make you unhealthy or it probably is man. I try to be real, but not scary, you know, but I would say that the number one tip, and I love to share this tip. If you're trying to get your kids to eat healthier, you know, I hear women say all the time, I want to do this, but my family won't do it. Well, you don't, I don't think we realize the power that we hold by just leading by example. You know, I started to make healthier choices. Matt, started to mimic me, my husband, you know, he, you know, he was like, Oh, you're eating that salad. Make me one, please. You know, or, you know, like the kids, they, I, I do require that they try new things and eat vegetables at certain meals. But I also love to, to just put it in front of them, like not say a word, just put it on the table. I have this like tray that has like four little bowls in it and I will chop up carrots, cucumbers, tomatoes, and I'll put some ranch on the end of it. Right. And so while ranch may not be the best option, I don't care so long as they're consuming their vegetables. And if I just put something down in front of them, one, they will probably reach for it. Two, it's options. They have options. Henry doesn't have to eat the carrots. He loves the tomatoes. Milo doesn't have to eat the tomatoes. He loves the cucumbers. So options is the best thing that you can do. Hey, we're going to try some new food tonight. 
different. You know, I'm either going to make asparagus or broccoli. Which one would you rather me make? And they have some decision-making power and they have some, some um, just kind of like some authority, I guess, more or less, in making that decision for themselves. And they're a lot more likely to try something rather than it just being forced on them. Kind of psychology. That's good. That's so good. That is so insightful and so helpful. And I always create the analogy too within my groups of when and if, you know, you're starting your healthy lifestyle and you're going into your pantry and like put yourself in your family's shoes of like, if you're like, we're not eating candy, there is no chips, like get you get an apple when they're used to having like, uh, like graham crackers and a juice box after school. Like think yeah. about if somebody came into your life and stripped away that in such an aggressive way. And so that's, I encourage my clients too, to just like take the drama out of it, take the aggression out of it. And if it's simple steps over time, that's progress. You know, if your kids are used to um, a dinner night, which is so fine. And we see eye to eye on this, like a a dinner night where it's like mac and cheese and hot dogs, because you know, your kids are going to eat it, but throw like some peas or broccoli, or if you know they like carrots, put the carrots on their plate too. So they start seeing that. And that was actually a funny thing. My husband and I kind of um, talked about where growing up, you know, his family had like pizza night and they would go through like four pizzas because all they had was pizza. Well, in my family, pizza was often paired. Like whether it was like, it wasn't just like standalone a piece of pizza it was like here's your pizza and your carrot sticks and something else here's your pizza and your salad and some uh whatever it was It, it it the point of it being it wasn't just like a standalone thing so now when we do pizza night it's funny because like I got out like my boys's pizza trays as they started eating the food and I'd be like, Oh, and they need something else. And my husband's like, what's wrong with just pizza. And I'm like, you have pizza by itself, but just really, and he kind of saw too, like, Oh, I grew up in this way, which leads to, yeah, me eating an entire pizza versus if I had it with something I would eat, still get satisfied off pizza because there's nothing wrong with it. But it it was just different. And so that's often what I tell my clients too. And another thing is, you know, if, if it comes to meal planning and if there's a lot of resistance around healthy dinners, whether it be from spouse or kids, you know, when you're meal planning, have everybody pick a dinner, you know, and then I gave the example of like, let your three-year-old pick macaroni and cheese, but then add that hack of like a vegetable with it. And then also the pizza night, like if somebody's going to request pizza night, so have it be like pizza and garden salad and, and some like apple slices or whatever. And then like, they're going to pick one night out of the week. Well, there's still a couple other nights for you to try some new healthy recipes. And if they don't like it, don't take it personal. Like, I feel like so many women feel like every dinner, every meal, every snack has to be this like knock out of the park where everybody cleans their plate and whatever. It's like, no, like sometimes it can just be for the nourishment or for the fact that you do this however many times a week, however many times, and sometimes you just need to keep it more simple, right? Yeah. And, you know, another thing, 
now that my boys are older, you know, they're 10, 12, almost 11 and 12. Like I also, now I have to teach them like self-control, which is not something I anticipated. You know, I knew I struggled with that, but you know, they can, they can binge on a bag of chips and a pizza just like anybody else. But like you, I'm like, okay, let's eat some vegetables with that. And they don't eat as much because they fill their body up with the fiber and the things, the good things. But a funny story, I know we don't have much longer, but a funny story. When I go out of town, (laughs) the boys always say, oh, mom's out of town. We're going to have to eat pizza and apples and I'm like pizza and apples and so my husband Matt knows that I, I make them eat like fruit and vegetables every day like before they can have a sweet something at night I ask did you eat your vegetables with dinner right if not they'll go grab something then they'll have a sweet and so they keep frozen pizzas in the freezer while I'm gone and Matt is always like grab an apple grab an apple. Milo's like, all we eat is apples, mom. I'm like, bless him. He doesn't, he just, he's trying to do the right thing, you know, but the, the boy is comical now, you know, when I leave town, we're going to have pizza and apples. I'm like, hey, I'm okay yeah. with that. Oh, that's so but, funny. Your, your husband yeah. sounds exactly like mine. And, and that's where as a mom, like I learn now where it's like, it's okay. It's, it's fine. Like let them have their experience well, I'm away having my experience. It makes me like think less of like, oh, I should prepare. Uh, I know you guys call it casserole, but we are, we call it hot dish. Like prepare something like that for them. While God's like, no, eat your pizza and apples and you guys will all be fine and thriving. And we'll have some, we'll have some extra smoothies when you get home. Yeah. Thankfully, my kids really like like blending smoothie we do daily sunshine like we have no shame in our beach body game talk in this yeah podcast. but like my kids do like that they'll take drinks off of my shake and whatnot but yeah it's just funny where it's like as women we have so much we place so sometimes so much pressure on meal time and getting it right I actually shared this on my podcast and I felt like I had to defend it big time because of like the pressure of the dinner table but with my kids being three and five you know they get home from daycare and my husband gets home from work and he's just he's not a picky eater but he's just hungry when he gets home Mm -hmm. and for a while I was trying to make a dinner time between four and five when my kids are like mom 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 And I was getting so frustrated with it. So then I just started like making sure on weekends we had like meals that could be reheated. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are pretty much leftovers. So he can heat up his leftovers. The kids get like leftovers, simple like carrots, a fruit, a veggie, and like the main dish type of situation. And then I have my shake for dinner. Yeah. Because I can eat breakfast by myself. I can eat lunch by myself and get adequate calories during the day during that time. But the protein, fat, and fiber from my shake at night keeps me full and satisfied to like get the mom stuff done, not worry about like me trying to shove food in my mouth while so-and-so is asking for milk. And you you know my kids' age where it's like even if I'm trying to teach them independence, I still have to aid them at this stage. You know, like if one wants a glass of milk, well, the cup he can reach, but the milk is at the top, top of the fridge. And so I shared with my listeners, like, I know some moms would be like, gasp, she's not eating with her kids. But I'm like, I am so present at the kitchen island 
now that I'm having my shake and can cater to teaching instead of being like, I've got to eat my food and I'm frustrated that I'm cleaning up this mess or whatever it is. And so for as moms, it's like, you really just got to simplify what's going to be good for you and your family. And it's not always going to be like so concrete. Like I know for a fact when my kids are 11 and 12, you know, I'll, I'm not going to be having my shake with them at dinner. I'm likely right. going to be setting the example of, and, and they'll have, I feel like may, maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Like, what's it like making dinner with an, ele- with an 11 and thir- and 11 and 12 year old versus like three? Yeah. And yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking too, like most moms probably don't, not every mom has the freedom that we have to work from home and to be able to maybe do a little prep ahead of time. I mean, when I first started coaching, I worked full time. Like I didn't get home until almost five o'clock and then I had to get the kids and I had to come home and unload the kids and, you know, like get all their stuff sorted out and listen to them as they told me about their day. And, you know, like when they're that small, it's hard. So, you know, then honestly, I kind of learned this then, but even now we do have hot meals now. Like we have your regular taco Tuesday. We have spaghetti every week we have you know like but Thursday night listen every Thursday I get a rotisserie chicken from Sam's we eat cold vegetables like chopped up carrots cucumbers and tomatoes because like by Thursday I don't want to cook like I don't want to cook and um my kids love that so what I say like a lot of cold plates you know what we call like a cold plate like some deli chicken or turkey or something like that cheese stick and some vegetables um you want to throw some carbs in there like my kids love sweet potatoes but I'm okay with giving them some chips sometimes too right so uh but now that they are this old um and you can start very young but getting them in the kitchen with you and you know now mine are busy they might rather ride the ripstick or play basketball but like if Milo makes helps me make asparagus which is actually very fun for a child because you snap off the end and you know like rub it around in some olive oil he'll eat it because he made it and so we kind of started that habit a few years ago and now so when we sit down to have dinner they know there's going to be a protein. They know there's going to be a vegetable. They know there's going to be a a carb and they don't care about the healthy fats, but there's healthy fats all in it. And they expect a dinner like that. And, you know, so then when we say, oh, forget it, let's go bowling and eat pizza. They're like, yes, you know, it's so exciting. It's such a treat. And um, I think just creating that normalcy and that expectation of this is how we we eat and this is why we eat that at way. I don't, I don't give a lecture at dinner every night, but sometimes, you know, I get, this is why we're eating this way because you want to play basketball. You want to be healthy and strong. This is how you get healthy and strong. Yeah. Shalene Johnson. Like I remember getting those nuggets from her and you kind of talked about this earlier where she talked about the same too. Like she never told her kids that they weren't allowed certain things. Mm-hmm but she gave them the education and the choice. And she's like, and yeah, sometimes they chose that bag of chips in between a basketball game, but she did just try to bring that awareness. And then also, like you said, making it relevant to their why, like telling a kid, it's like, oh, we're going to eat this. So we live a long life. Like a 13 year old's going to be like, I am just concerned about my football game on Friday yeah. or my volleyball game or whatever sport that they're in. And so talking about that and 
how it will really impact what's important to them mm-hmm. instead of like, we're just going to eat healthy because. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Like yesterday, my oldest Henry, he started like football practice and he came home last night and he was like, mom, I drank three bottles of water today. Cause I knew I didn't want to get dehydrated out there. And I knew I wanted to have a lot of good water and not Coke and all that stuff. And I was like, it's working. Like I didn't say a thing to him about that, but we had talked about it before. And so it does, you would be shocked what your kids like process and retain. Yeah. And like you said too, with the vegetables and having them get involved with cooking. I mean, if I've heard that so many times, but I haven't ever heard somebody say like, that actually works. It actually works. But I see some ladies and my kids are still really little, but I see so, and they're boys too. You know how fast like boys are is like, what's that? And their hand just goes right for it. I get so much anxiety with my boys in the kitchen that I told my husband, I'm like, I'm going to have to teach my boys to cook when I'm not hungry. Like, <laughs> like we're going to have pizza night and then you're going to, then we're going to cook something. So we all have full bellies because when it's like the, if, if it burns or if it, whatever, we have to throw it out. That's like so much pressure on the situation. And then also their little hands, like, there's times where I'm like, oh, what are you even going to do with a butter knife if I give it to you? I'm kind of afraid. But yeah, as they get older, getting them more yeah. involved. Yeah, definitely. I would be intentional with when you plan that for yeah. sure. Like, yeah. you know, when, what time of the month, like what time of the day, <clears throat> um, maybe a Saturday morning, yeah. make breakfast together or something like that. But just, you know, my kids can, I mean, Henry, if we have salmon, he cooks the salmon. He loves to do the salmon. Yeah. Um, my husband can't cook anything, but my, my kids will know how to cook things when they get, you know, when they leave me. And so I, I'm excited about that. But yeah, yeah. It, is, it is, it can be very stressful. So it's not like an every night thing, but especially when they're small, but it is worth putting in the time and the intentionality and the effort to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is cute too, that there are like, the baking shows for kids and stuff that's encouraging them to like find a recipe, learn how to follow the instructions of it. Like, I feel like that's how I learned how to cook. So once the boys are at that age, but still there's times where I'm like, I see my five-year-old get the apple like slicer out of the drawer. And I'm like, dear Lord, please (laughs) just don't let any sort of accident happen or something intentional, but his little five-year-old brain doesn't know what he's doing. You know, it's like, I have a neighbor, she's the homemade dish on Instagram. Shout out to Elizabeth. She has gotten her kids in the kitchen, like from when they're so tiny, they're like sitting on top of the counter and their little bodies and hands are in there. And I'm like, bless you with all, like, you've gotten so much patience because for me, I see my kids like near a plate and I'm like <laughs> or like by this the stovetop and I'm like burn like what are we gonna do I don't know why my it, brain goes that way but you know that's a really good point too like how we react when they are in the kitchen with us that sets up a long-term mentality that they will have when it comes to cooking or to food so like I know that you know, we've been cooking in the kitchen and Milo knocks a glass of water off or something, or he drops all the vegetables in the floor. And I'm like, oh, you know, like I lose my cool and he's not going to want to cook with me again. You know, he's not going to want to do that again. That's going to be a negative experience. So it's definitely, 
a, a journey, um, of just like patience and self-control when you do it. So mamas just don't expect it to be perfect. That's what I'm learning is the hardest thing for me is self-control over my reactions. I am definitely getting better. (laughs) I'm definitely working on it, but I think it's just nice for other moms to hear too. Like, okay, wow. I, we're all working on this together in different seasons and in every season, right? For sure. For sure. And they, they notice and hear and pay attention to everything that we do and say. So it is, it's, Definitely something you have to think about. Yeah, I love how this conversation rolled. I knew it was just going to be awesome. So Rachel, let us know about where they can find you, follow you, and like what they'll hear about on your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. This has been fantastically fun. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram at Rachel J. Mitchell. It's just R-A-C-H-E-L J. Mitchell. And then my podcast is Living on Mission. And you can listen on Apple, iTunes, um, Spotify, Let's see what else. I can't remember what all they are, but those are the two main ways. And I love, love, love to encourage women to, to know Christ and make him known in all different areas of life, in the momming, in the business side of things, in the relationship side, in stewarding your body. You know, I think that every day and everything we get to do is an opportunity to point people to Christ. And so that's what the podcast is about. Uh, Joelle's been on there. Uh, such a good episode. I know it's going to be a favorite with our, our listeners, but yeah, follow along. Listen, you can reach out to me and in any way, and I would love to encourage you as well. Well, thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening and like go on to Rachel's show. I've learned and grown so much through her podcast felt like I could relate in so much. And then, like I said, I love hearing the wisdom of where you're at in the season of your life right now. And it's like a little golden nugget. I'm like putting in my pocket of like, okay, remember this because I'm going to be there faster than I think. So thank you so much for being on today and we will chat with you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Hold up, my friend. Wait a minute. Do you wish there was a way to stop the weight loss struggle? Let's end the misery of cutting calories and increasing cardio as our only approach to achieving our goals. And I know what it feels like to be constantly obsessing over my body, working out harder, eating less while not seeing results and actually seeing things go completely backwards. Imagine if you knew how to work with your body, what would it be like to deeply know and understand what your body is going through and give it exactly what it needs to look and feel your very best. This is exactly why I created the Feminine Fitness Foundations course, where I teach you how to sync your fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle with your cycle while increasing your metabolism. You will walk away with understanding each phase of your cycle, what is supportive for each phase, And I know that most plans have you focus on what to cut out, stop doing, or eliminate. But my approach is teaching you to focus on what is supportive for your body and what to do to enhance your everyday life, not deprive you from it. For a limited time, the Feminine Fitness Foundations is available as a self-paced beginner's course. If you get started right now, you will get access to the course and bonus materials like my cycle syncing cheat sheet, meal plan, food list, and four-week strength training program. You guys, go to tinyurl.com forward slash 
feminine foundations and enroll right now like go right now sister because i cannot wait to help you realize your hormones are your superpower not the curse of aunt flow and how to use cycle syncing strategy to work with your body instead of against it so the link again is tinyurl.com forward slash feminine fitness or you can check out the link in the show notes of this episode or it's always in my instagram bio as well